Hey everyone, David Bowden here. Before we start the show, we have a special announcement from the team here at Spoken Gospel. As we approach our summer film block, we're filming our final introductions for our whole project on the Bible, including books of the Bible like the book of Revelation and Chronicles, and it's going to be an amazing time. And we are almost finished funding our need for this film block, and we have about $30,000 left to cross the finish line. And we are asking you, our podcast listeners, to help make this possible. So please consider supporting our mission by visiting the Spoken Gospel website, clicking on donate and contributing what you can. Whether you choose to donate once or monthly, we're so grateful for your support. Okay, now on with the show. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit dedicated to the idea that every part of the Bible, Old Testament and New, is about Jesus. And this podcast is our experiment to publicly test that belief. Every episode, hosts David Bowden and Seth Stewart work through a biblical text to see how it helps us see and savor Jesus. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, I'm your host, David Bowden. <laughs> I've always wanted to do that, but... And I am your also host. Your, and this is my co-host, Seth Stewart. Seth Stewart. I've always wanted to are do that. Are we co-hosts, or are you the host, and I'm the co-host? I th- I don't think that... Can you have one co-host? Can't, I don't know. I don't know either. In your mind, am I a co-host? No, this is and like... are you the host? No, this is like... Or are we hosting together? hosting together. I see. Yeah. We are equals after all. Yeah. At the foot of the cross. <laughs> at the foot of the cross. We're all equal. And at the start of the book of Joshua, we are both equals. We are? Are we? I don't know. I feel like you've spent more time in Joshua than I have. I have spent a good bit. I've been marooned on the island of land I've, allotments. I've done all the <laughs> devotionals for Joshua, except, except for... And they were all, and this parcel of land goes to this tribe. And between the river of Engedi and the river yep. of so-and-so, yep. this tribe. You were Joshua, and you allotted me the land. <laughs> I did. Of the you land allotment <laughs> passages to write devos on. So get excited, guys, whenever those drop yep. David wrote those. David wrote those. The co-host. And they're great. We've been talking about them a lot. Well, thank you. Um, but yeah, we uh, covered a lot of ground in mm-hmm. our overview of mm-hmm. the book of Joshua last week. And now we're jumping into chapters one and two. Yes. Um, which one, I feel like, has one of the most famous passages in the Bible. Yes. And be, two. Be strong has, and yep, courageous. Be strong and courageous. And this, and chapter two has one of the most famous stories in the Bible. Yeah. Rahab, the prostitute, saving the spies. And the scarlet cord. And the scarlet. <laughs> the infamous yeah, scarlet cord. Infamous, like, really infamous <laughs> scarlet cord. Um yeah, <laughs> sorry. What? <laughs> we'll we'll get we'll talk about it when we get there. The just lo- preload it. Like, uh, give us a t- taste. I just wanted. I want to make sure. Just we did this a long time ago with Moses's arms being lifted up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About how has this passage been preached badly? Oh yes. yes I want to yes. do that with Rahab and the Scarlet Cord we'll, too. We'll get excited. Okay, guys. <laughs> man. Uh, uh, anyway, so what you should know as you get into the meat of the Book of Joshua is that the first twelve chapters are really focused on the conquest of the land so mm-hmm. that's the first half of the book is okay. israel taking over the land and the last half of the book is like the tribes getting their inheritance and israel's finally settling in the land apart from warfare so really we're about to get ready for 
12 chapters of warfare, mm. taking the land, taking over cities, and the way that God's doing that in through Joshua. Okay. So like that's what's happening right okay. now. Okay. So this is like so what's happening here is like like we're being primed for conquest. Yes. Okay, okay, I follow that. So we're being primed for conquest and it's really important that we keep a couple things in mind as we think about the conquest. One, the land of Canaan is a gift. Mhm. So verse uh 2. I am giving to you to the people of Israel every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon. Oh, verse yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Verse 2 like yep. the land of Canaan is a gift from God. Mm-hmm. So like, that should like price signal a couple things in our mind. This isn't like, um, this isn't Joshua being greedy for land. Right. This isn't Israel having land lust or wanting better land than the wilderness. Although they the wilderness, didn't want to go in at all. They didn't want to go in at all. <laughs> there was, they were too strong, too numerous. They were too few. Uh, this is God's gift mm. and his fulfillment of his promises. So yes. primarily at the outset, this is not about conquest. Uh, military militarism. Mm-hmm. This is not about right. Israeli militarism. It is about God's faithfulness to His promise to give them a homeland. Mm-hmm. So I just want to like center God's action and God's fulfillment and God's role in here before we even get into the. Yes, yeah. I think that's really good, and I think it's highlighted really heavily in verse three. You've you've mentioned one of the words. Mm-hmm. So uh, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon. I will give you just as I promised to Moses. I think there's a couple things that are being signaled here that as we're thinking about land and God giving people land, if you were a a Jew reading this text, you would be, like we talked about in the overview, signaled back to the Garden of Eden. It's like, what yeah. What was the place yeah. where man and God lived together, that a land God gave humans? Oh, the Garden of Eden. And then here we have two uh, kind of like very uh, keyword themes drawn out so we have this idea of joshua's foot the sole of joshua's foot treading on the land and conquering it this should remind us of genesis 3 15 when god tells the serpent that eve's descendant would crush his head yes so here we have one of the representative heads of eve's descendants Mm -hmm. treading on the land of canaan which is a land of evil like the seed of the serpent, the Canaanites, the Nephilim that we read about back mm-hmm. in Genesis live in this land yep. and they are about to be tread upon. Yes. And so this is a fulfillment yeah. of the promise God made to Eve and her descendants back in right. Genesis 3. So again, this isn't about militarism. This is a theological battle against the seed of the serpent. Yes. So even the Nephilim in Genesis... Cha- so the Nephilim, strange story mm-hmm. in Genesis chapter 6 where... The sons of God, so like this this phrase. Whatever they are. Whatever they are, <laughs> have sex with the daughters of men. Women. Women, and create giants. Yes. So half human, half, half de- de- deity, like spirit. Beings. Spirit beings. So there's a lot of interpretations of that. Yes. But what's most important about that is that they are um, corruptions yes. of God's natural order. They are viewed from the beginning as wicked. As wicked and like embodiments of the curse. Yes. Like, like literal physical embodiments of the curse. And they live th- all throughout the land. It's mm-hmm. like, and th- that's in Numbers 13, talks mm-hmm. and Genesis. And every time they try to go in the land, they mention the Nephilim are there. Yep. And Even, later in the land allotment passages, we'll hear that Caleb goes and defeats some of the descendants of the Nephilim in his territory. Yes. Yeah. So again, this is God's gift fulfilling God's promises and God's enemy 
the, the the embodiment of the curse lives in this land. Yes. And Joshua is treading upon the mm-hmm. embodiment of the curse, the seed of the serpent. Like, yep. This is a theological work, yep. not a militaristic one. So this is yeah, so it's it's so that's the first thing from the Garden mm-hmm. of Eden we should be clued in on. The yep. second is this idea of subduing the land. Right, that that he's going to tread upon the land, and wherever he sets his foot, it will be given to him. So this is um, a continuation of the fulfillment from Genesis two twenty eight, where God gave dominion to Adam and Eve and told them to fill the earth and subdue it. Now they are being told to fill the land and, and subdue it, to go into the land, subdue it, to take it over, and it will be theirs, and they will fill it. And so again, this is. This is the Garden of Eden being recreated by the um, uh, the judgment of God against the people of Israel yeah. through and maybe, his chosen people. So maybe a helpful metaphor for this is just imagine a gardener. Mm-hmm. So like the Garden of Eden was this perfect place that um, corruption, sin, evil entered. So imagine like a perfect, beautiful cottage garden in the English countryside somewhere. And like now there's just oil barrels everywhere and weeds and everything. And just the whole land is taken over by waste and destruction. And the beauty that was once there is just like kind of marred, like diminished, barely there. Mm -hmm. Joshua comes into the land to reclaim it. He's going to clean up the trash Mm. and he's going to pull all the weeds and he's going to remake it into the Garden of Eden. He's going to subdue the land. He's going to rule over it properly, weed out the sinfulness in it and uh, bring God's presence with him back into God's place so that the Garden of Eden could be remade again. Yep. Like that's what's going to happen. Exactly right. And it, I mean, this is all really good news that is finally accomplished in Jesus mm-hmm. because all this language is used about Jesus as well. Yes. So we're told that all things are put under Jesus's feet. Yeah, that that's right. Because, like, yeah. So that's territory language. We've talked. You can talk about Jesus crushing the head of the serpent, Satan, on the cross, but also there's territory language talked mm. about in Jesus' yeah. dominion that he's given. I, I never thought about that. You're right. He's, yeah. he's, he's seated at the right hand of God, and all things are placed under his feet. Huh. So he is the new and better Joshua, who is also named Joshua, right. <laughs> who subdues the whole earth. And he has dominion over all of it. Mm. And wherever he sets his foot, which is everywhere, he's omnipotent, he's omnipresent, mm-hmm. he has dominion over it. Yeah. His yeah. kingdom comes. His kingdom comes. His com- his That's kingdom. right. Garden um, comes. And then wherever he puts his foot, right, he subdues that territory. Uh-huh. Jesus' Jesus's feet went into the grave, mm-hmm. and he subdued that land. It was his. Now, now the realm of the dead is owned by Jesus. Like, he conquered it. It's his. And he can ransom from from it whomever he wants. Hmm. You know, like it's just That's like good. a beautiful really way good. to think about that. And then we're told that he will come and fill the earth, just, just like as Joshua has told you. You're going to fill the land of Canaan. That's right. Yeah, yeah. He will come, and his presence will fill the whole earth. So what Joshua is attempting to do in the land of Canaan, Jesus does over the entire world. What yes. Joshua is doing with the Canaanites, Jesus does with the cause of the Canaanite sin, sin itself, death itself. Mm-hmm. He undoes it. He doesn't just recreate. A garden 2.0 he takes us back even like he does it better than the he first does it better garden. than the first it's garden. like it's not yeah. it, he, it he, is he garden does, two joshua's update 1.1 <laughs> like the garden of Eden, like yes. jesus brings like the new garden where not even death is allowed anymore. right not he, even sin jesus can enter. jesus did and finished what adam and eve were supposed to do right like they were supposed to fill the earth and subdue it mm-hmm. jesus did mm-hmm. and he and they were supposed to fill the earth with god's image jesus will 
Yeah. And so like Jesus brings the full garden. It's not a new garden. It's not an old garden. It's not a reboot. Right. It is the fulfillment, the finished work that Adam and Eve were supposed to begin yes. that Joshua was trying to reboot. Jesus finally does. Yeah. Whenever he Good. conquers all evil, all sin, all death, and then when he returns, he will actually fill the earth and subdue it with his glory. That's so like that's what that's good news in the first three verses the first of Joshua. Three verses. Um, and it continues, yeah, it continues because there's so God's gift of the land, uh, God's uh, prom- the fulfillment of his promises, the victory of his people is conditioned on a couple things. Okay. So he says, the way that you'll take over the land, the way that you'll defeat your enemies, the way that you'll have a homeland is by uh, is through his presence and through being strong and courageous. Hmm. So three different times we're told that uh, that Israel or Joshua himself is supposed to be strong and courageous. Four different times we're told that the Lord is with them. Hmm. So verse uh, five and six, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land. Only be strong and very courageous doing <laughs> all that the law requires. So how do we get God's pre- blessing? How do we get back to the garden of Eden? How do we walk into the land? How do we defeat our enemies by realizing that God is with us mm. and then being strong and courageous in that fact. Mm. So those, are, I think those are like an, another, like they're really important to the book of Joshua as a whole. They're also just really important to the Christian life and they clue us in to an earlier story in the book, in the Bible as well. So whenever Israel was first going into the land of Canaan, God told, God said, I will be with you. Mm-hmm. He was with them. There was a pillar of cloud. There was a pillar of fire, like he spoken from Mount Sinai. And he told them to go into the land and they refused to go. They were too afraid. Yes. There's a story before this though. Okay. That um, after the golden calf mm-hmm. um, in Exodus 33, God says, I will not go with you. And then Moses intercedes and says, go with us, Lord, right. because if you do not go with us, I'm not going anywhere. Right. I'm not going anywhere without your presence. If you don't go with us, we will fail. No one will know that we're your people. All that. So Moses pleads to make sure that, to God's, make sure that pre- God's presence is going to be there. And then God is saying, just as I was with Moses on the basis of his intercession and mm-hmm. my faithfulness to him, I will be with you too, Joshua. Yes. Anyway, I just thought that was yeah, yeah. So an interesting like- little thing. There will be no victory in battle. Mm-hmm. There'll be no fulfillment of God's promises without God's presence. Yeah. Huge and, theme in the book of Joshua. And, and the whole Bible. The whole Bible. The whole Bible. <laughs> yes. Emmanuel is God with us. Like yeah. That's what Jesus is naming. So we'll get there in a second. But like, so there's no victory without God's presence. Mm. And mm. if you go back then to the story where they're supposed to take the land, they have God's presence with them and they're too afraid to enter into God's land. Like, what are they doing? They have God's presence with them, but they're failing to obey the command that Josh, Josh, uh, God just gave Joshua. Be strong oh, and very courageous. I see. They have one half, but not the other. They have they have God's presence, but they don't have... Courage. Courage or action. Yes. Faith. Right. They have no faith yeah. to actually act as if God is right. with them, and they fail to go into the land. And then... The story right after it. The story right after <laughs> it, God says, okay, don't go into land, wander in the wilderness, and then they don't have the strength to face God's judgment oh. and then try to go back into the land I thought you were gonna without say God's else. presence. I meant the story right after. Oh, what do you right mean? After. So you have... So if you, if you, if you think about this mm-hmm. as two commands, okay. right, and you have... 
It, you you need God's presence, courage. or you, you need God's presence, mm-hmm. and then you need to be strong and courageous to obey it, right? Mm-hmm. You need God's presence, and then faith in God's presence, yep. right? Um, whenever they first came to the land of Canaan, they had God's presence, but they didn't have faith in it, so they didn't enter in, right? Okay, yeah. So then God punishes them, so and, set, and, and, and then what they do is they try to be strong and courageous, and they enter in the land, but without God's presence. Yes. And they die in battle. That's what I just said. Oh, that's not what I heard. <laughs> that's not what I heard. That's really funny. Uh, um, but yes, yeah. that's exactly right. So yeah. there's like this really close connection between being strong and being courageous, between God's presence, the courage that brings, and the strength it takes to obey God when he actually says something. Mm. So like I, I think the way this text is normally preached, be strong and be courageous. Yeah. It's like Christians are cowardly. They don't want to speak up for uh, the biblical, but the Bible's values. They don't. They're they're kowtowing to culture and they're just compromised people. The way that we gain victory is by being strong, being bold, and being courageous. Taking risk. Taking risk. Doing the right thing. I was like, there's good messaging, good messages in being bold and being courageous. But I think what's really happening here, it's not so much being strong and courageous in the face of an onslaught of culture. Hmm. It's being strong and courageous in light of God's presence being with you. Right. So it's like, it's not about the the enemy being strong and courageous in the face of an enemy. It's being strong and courageous in the knowledge that the Lord your God dwells with you and is fighting for you and is fighting with hmm. you. You're not being strong and courageous because of an enemy. You're being strong and courageous because of your ally. Yes. Yeah. It's exactly right. That's good. So being strong and courageous it really is like a form of faith. It's like, yes. do you trust that God is fighting by your side? Right. Do you believe that his words and his commands will actually bring about your victory? Mm-hmm. Do you trust that? And what he's telling Joshua is, if you have faith in my presence, if you trust in my presence, victory will come. If you trust that I'm with you, mm. your enemies will scatter. If you believe that I am with you always and will not leave you and will not forsake you, you will have victory and you will have rest. Yeah. Like victory subduing yeah. the land of Eden mm. is dependent on the trust in God's presence. Yeah. I have a lot <laughs> that's going through my brain right now. This is really good. Um, okay. First, because uh, I, I, I think it's more important, so I want to make sure we get to this, yeah. um, is like, why is God's presence so necessary or so good or so important? You know what I mean? Like, why harp on it here? I mean, number one, the first thing, and like, this is just, I'm not trying to answer my own question. Yeah. I'm just highlighting it. Yeah. Like, whenever he says, I will be with you, he's just saying the name that he gave Moses. I am. He's saying, yeah, Aye. Aye. Yeah, which is I am. Yeah, Yahweh is he is. Yes. Aye is I am. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's saying, and that's okay. what he's saying. He's saying, this is the name I gave Moses. Just as I was, I, just as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. And just as I told Moses Yahweh, I'm telling you Yahweh. Mm-hmm. I am with him. I am with you. Yes. So like, this is very important to this passage. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, and then like we have all this Garden of Eden language, right? Where it's yeah. like, what is the Garden of Eden? It's a place that God is. Yeah. He like is is with his people. Yeah. It's like you can't have the garden without God. Yeah. You know, and so there's all this swirling around, and it's like, why is the presence of God so necessary to the success, flourishing, um, uh, like the being of his people? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just something I'm curious about here. Um. I mean, without God's presence, you said it, you don't have a garden. Mm. Without God's presence, you don't have creation. Like without God being present, you have nothing. Like 
the spirit was hovering over the face of the waters. Mm. And it's from God's presence, God said, let there be light. Like there is something in the, I think even like that's deficient in my own imagination where it's like God's presence takes on this weird kind of quality. It's like, that's that thing I experience when I'm worshiping right. or it's that thing that's kind of nice when I'm like really struggling with something and then I just feel a sense of peace mm. come over me. And like, those are manifestations. Yeah. Those are experiences Definitely. that we can have with God's presence. But like, that's not all of it. That's not all of it. And it's not even the way that like, the primary way that we, I think the Bible mm. invites us to think about God's presence. Yeah, probably not. It's like the presence of God like is creative. Mm. It's empowering. It, without it, nothing else happens. Yeah. Maybe the way that in, in, the, in uh, the epistles, Paul says like, it's by him, from him and through him yeah. are all things. And he upholds the world by the word of his power. Like there's a sense that God's presence is like, is intrinsic and necessary to like the very atoms and molecules of the world in such a way that without God's presence, everything else falls apart. Right. And so I think that's like, oh, like a real big meta picture. Like what, what does God's presence mean? And then particularly once the world is created, like you don't have peace without God's presence. Rest. You don't have that's rest. The, that's the word for Joshua is rest. It's rest. You don't Shalom. have rest without God's presence. Right. You don't have victory without God's yeah. presence. Anything good, any blessing, any inheritance, any hope is like unable to be obtained without God being present. Like, I think that's getting somewhere near yeah, what's it happening. Is. Yeah, I think, it, I think you're right. I think we both are struggling through a deficient imagination about God's presence. And I, I love that we're trying to meditate on God's presence in Joshua 1. Like, what is Joshua 1 trying to show us about yeah. God's presence? And I'm like, if it is all this garden language, mm -hmm. right, then it would make a lot of sense that to, to view God's presence as, as creative. Because in verse 4, mm -hmm. it even mentions bodies of water. Yeah. It, it talks about the Euphrates. And, like, it's like the great sea. And it's like this, this picture of Yahweh yeah. hovering over his people, being with his people, mm -hmm. Over setting these waters. The boundaries yeah, of the setting the Eden, boundaries of a new Eden. Beginning this new creative work yeah. where he will be with them. Yes. Where he won't leave them or forsake them. Right. Yeah. And, and that, like, I wonder, too, how much of this language about uh, you will have success, it will go well with you, you will have victory, um, all this stuff is tied up in because I will be with you. Is like, God, like yeah, God's yeah. presence isn't this mercenary thing we use to get something else the right. land in this instance. Yeah. Instead, the great success of taking the land is that we have a place to be with God. God is with us yes. so that God may continue to be with us. Yes. Is it like... The land serves our ability to be with God's presence. Right. Like, and it's only good insofar as it serves that purpose. Right. And if you have the land without God's presence... You have, it's, you have nothing. nothing. You have nothing, which is the book of Judges right after the book of Joshua. Oh, right. Yep. Pretty, pretty vividly pictures. Yep. It's like, yeah, God's presence is the hope of the book, the Torah. Yeah. And it's also kind of the hope and driver of the book of Joshua. Mm. And it's also the hope of a Christian. Yes. It's like, if we get victory over death, the defeat of sin, mm. peace from our enemies, how does that come? Through God's presence, through Emmanuel, yeah. God with us. And when we are courageous and we are brave to trust that God is with us more so than the culture is against us, 
what can stand against us? That's what Paul, that's mm. what Paul says in Romans 8, 1. Like, if right. God is for, for us, us, who can be against us? Like, there's mm. this courage that comes from knowing that God is not just with us in this theological or even like military sense that he's in Joshua, right. but he has come to this earth and lived as a human with us in Jesus. And if that's true, there are no, and if he went to death and defeated mm. death, what can be against us? Right. God is with us powerfully to provide victory, to provide rest, to provide a land, to provide a home. Yeah. What's amazing about Jesus is he fulfills both parts of this equation. He is with us in Jesus, mm-hmm. but then he was also strong and courageous yes. to obey the law, to go to the cross, to die our death, mm-hmm. to defeat mm-hmm. to defeat it. Like, yep. he he does it all. He does it all. And it's like, it's so cool. And I also think it, the words strong, courageous are really helpful for the ways that Jesus talks about, like, trusting in him. Like, mm. you should count the cost. If you're not willing to leave father and mother and right. brother for me, then you have no part of me. Like, there is an element to trusting the nearness of God that is that is risky, that does require you to say no to your previous, right. like, uh, like your previous pursuits, your pr- the things you trusted in. The to old provide kingdom. You to the old kingdom. The old like, land. To, to say no to all that mm-hmm. requires a certain degree of bravery. Uh, and courage. And courage. Yeah as you turn to Jesus. Right. But it's all rooted in him being with you. Right. But it's all, but he'll be with you. Which is the good news of uh, the Holy Spirit. You know, like at the yeah. end of Matthew 28, at the end of Matthew yeah. in 28, he says, he, he quotes this. Yeah. He's like, never will yeah. I leave you. Never will I forsake you. That's like, exactly right. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. How? Through the indwelling Holy Spirit. Yeah. Like he's with us I right think, now, Christian. Like, I think another way to think about this, like if you imagine like, either making the decision to become a Christian for the first time, mm. or even it's just like, Lord, like I want more of you in my life, but I seem to just be like hamstrung everywhere I turn. Yeah. Like the way that we normally look at our workplace or the surrounding culture or our family, like the family, the anxiousness in our family when we go for a family reunion is like, man, that place is scary. Mm. I don't really know if I can be a Christian there. The the best thing I can probably do is just like downplay my religious convictions, not really talk about Jesus, not really like engage on that level and just let the status quo remain. And we, because I think we just assume that if we say anything out loud, that, that country, that kingdom, that workplace, that family structure is just going to turn on us Mm. and attack us and overtake us. And we're going to be too weak to withstand against it. But I think the the book of Joshua would encourage us with this. No, the Lord is with you. And if you're like bold, if you're strong, if you're courageous to like plant a flag Mm. in the name of Jesus in those places, the opposite is true. The enemies actually flee. Jesus's presence rushes upon you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when governors and bosses and mothers and matriarchs and patriarchs come to you asking you things, the Holy Spirit will give you words to say. (laughs) Like like what ends up happening in those moments we're most afraid of is the Holy Spirit acts most powerfully to influence and to be with us and to cause God's kingdom to be to, to grow to, yeah. in those into those places, like he will be with us always, even to the end of the age. Like yeah. that happens in those moments. So for the Christian, we can be strong and courageous in ways that we probably haven't thought about before. We're so used to thinking of the enemy kingdom as stronger than the kingdom of God right. that it's difficult for us to believe. Like, well, if I plant a flag, the Holy Spirit's going to rush on me 
and the world's going to be taken over for him. Like it's a different paradigm. It's a different paradigm, and it's the paradigm that Joshua preaches to us. Yes, and the paradigm that Jesus preaches. And it's not because you're strong and courageous. It's because he is with you. It's because he's so with you. be strong and courageous. Yes. Yeah. Um, the last thing I want us to tie up in this section is um, the connection between being strong and courageous and obeying the law and keeping the law. We we there's this there's yeah. this triple dichotomy that is that triple, high, triple di- dichotomy trichotomy trichotomy no no because it's it's three dichotomies three dichotomies <laughs> uh, but they're all about the same thing yeah, yeah. so you have you, you mentioned one of them earlier that God is with us but you have to be strong and courageous so that is yeah. like wait is it is it God or me or like the, uh, as it's as it's worded here um, you shall cause this people to inherit the land Joshua you shall cause this people mm-hmm. to inherit the land that I swore them. It's like, wait, yes. hold on. So is it God being with us and his promise or is it Joshua's action? And then you have it again a third mm-hmm. time with, um, if you obey my commands and do not stray from the right or to the left, then you will have success. Right. And so it's like, you have to obey in order to be successful. And so it's like this, yes. it's like this guaranteed thing that's going to happen, but it's tied up in all these conditions of mm-hmm. be strong and courageous you have faith, you have to go trust. cause it and be obedient to the law. Go actually fight the battle. Yeah, and so yeah. it's like this. It's this weird faith works. Is it determined ter- determined or not? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thought there was an interesting tension in the opening chapter that I and it, and it, and it feels like the law again. It feels like the mm-hmm. Torah again. Meaning, like if you do good, you'll be blessed. If you do bad, yep. you won't be blessed. But I will be with. But there were all the. But there's always these unconditional yeah, promises yeah. embedded inside of the law. That it seems yeah. like God and his faithfulness will come through on regardless. Yes. But they will require a faithful remnant. And it's like, yeah, it's yeah. just that weird thing again of between like God well, will do it and we will do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is beautiful. God doesn't act alone. He chooses to include us in his purposes and plans. It's the Garden of Eden. It's the Garden of Eden. All over again. God made everything and then gave dominion to man to co-labor with him. Does God cause the plants to grow or does Adam? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and God invites human beings to partner with him in his work of new creation on the earth with his presence, mm. unafraid. Yeah. Uh, great. That solved quicker than I thought it would. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then my last question then will yeah. be, um, why, it seems here, am I wrong? Okay. It, it seems that being strong and courageous equals obeying the law. Yes. It's not only go in there and show those Canaanites who's boss, which is kind of how it's read. You know, just everywhere you step your foot, it's yours, man. It's like also like read the Torah really closely. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Meditate it on it day and night. Yes. That is being strong and courageous, is being a Torah nerd. Well, very, very, very last verse of Joshua 1. Whoever rebels against your commandments and disobeys your words, whatever you command him, uh, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. It's like obey the law or be put to death. Be strong and courageous. Obey the law. <laughs> yeah. So like why then is obeying the law uh, a synonym for being strong and courageous? Because... I don't think about obeying my Bible as an act of strength and courage. Uh, yeah. Well, the Bible, the laws of the Bible, the commandments of the Bible are extension of God's presence. Mm, yeah. They're an extension of God's character. Yes. So when the law says, do not kill... It's actually a way to embody in your legal code the law, the God of life. Right, right. So to whatever extent you 
disobey the law, you're denying part of God's presence. You're like, you're pushing against the way in which God's presence wants to infect and infiltrate your society. And yourself. And yourself. Right. So, and then what ends up happening though, is the law of God ends up cutting across the ways that we would prefer our life to be, Mm. cut across our preferred means of like providing justice, our preferred means of sexual satisfaction. The law has a whole bunch of commands that kind of cut, go against the grain of our culture right in every culture israelites yes. culture it doesn't it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter every culture yep. and so what ends up happening is like at some point your culture will have to die your preferences will have to die and it will require a good bit of bravery on your part mm. to accept the commands of the lord as good for you yeah um because they are not what you're familiar with. Right. They're from a culture that's different from yours, and they seem to require more sacrifice than they're worth yep. on the front end. That makes a lot of sense. It takes strength and courage to obey the countercultural laws of God's word. Mm-hmm. And the good news is that God is with us in his Holy Spirit to cause us to obey those laws. Yes. That's the promise that Ezekiel mm-hmm. made in the New Covenant. The New Covenant is that God turns us into people who have the strength and courage to obey his law by being with us. Yes. Okay. Think about um, the and it, oh, and, sorry, and in know. so doing, create his kingdom. Like create a, the, a small little pockets of the Garden of Eden where heaven yeah. and earth come together. Anyway, yeah. I just want to finish that thought. No, just or think about the courage it takes to remain single, or the oh, courage yeah. it takes to say no to my sexual desires mm-hmm. and not sleep around, and instead have no sex right. and remain faithful to God. And trust that his presence and the family that he creates within the church is enough for me. Yes. That is ridiculously difficult. Right. Imagine the courage and strength it takes to be radically generous with your money. To yes. give it when it when you don't have it. Yeah. Like that takes courage. Yes. Yeah. Um, imagine the strength to tell the truth when you know it will get you into trouble. Like, you know, like, yeah. I mean, it just yeah. goes on and on and yeah, on. Yeah. yeah. It's like the, it's like the old riddle is like, um, is God limited or it's not a riddle. It's like a theological problem that Augustine talked about. Is God less powerful because he cannot tell a lie? Oh, it's like, right. well, what, well, you can't, does that mean God can't do something? Well, God can't tell a lie. Does that make him limited in his power? No, because it actually takes more power to never tell a lie than yes. to be able to tell a lie. That's right. Like there is a, a strength of character strength like empowered strength by the holy spirit that it that that is necessary in order to obey the law okay joshua 2 opens up with a not a famous phrase like be strong and courageous Mm. but a famous story the story of rahab the prostitute harboring spies yes such a such a fun story it is a really really fun story and so let's just just name why this is significant okay so we already have in the back of our mind that we that joshua and israel's army is about to just take over canaan yes they're about to like just destroy Mm -hmm. the enemies of god Mm -hmm. so all sorts of like questions about genocide and violence that we're coming to we promise but it's really important for us to name up front that what we're about to see is the first conquest that happens in the land of Canaan is not a military victory. It's the conquest of a Canaanite prostitute's heart 
and confessing like and it confesses devotion to Yahweh. Yeah, it's a victory of grace. It's a victory of grace. Yeah. That somebody who should not be part of God's people right. is accepted into God's people. And the implication is that anyone within the land of Canaan, that offer is available to them. And that's the first story you hear as Israel enters the promised land, enters their promised land, mm-hmm. is that this Canaanite prostitute entered into God's people as part <laughs> of her. That signals to every other nation in Canaan that if they want, they can follow the prostitute's path and be a part of God's people. Right. It is meant, and and you'll you guys will hear as we move on. We are not going to try to temper the wrath of God or the conquest of Canaan. The violence. And the rest, the, the, that's we're not going to do that. We're going to try to treat the book like just the way that's the way written. it is. Yeah. But we have to understand that. The fact that this act of grace is at the front of Joshua before any conquest takes place, we are meant to see that the grace of God tempers his own wrath. Yes. Like that the grace of God is greater, that the love of God mm-hmm. triumphs yeah, yeah. over his wrath. I mean, yeah. that's what we see in, in the in the, in the the gospel. Yes. Like God's wrath isn't the final word. Yeah. It's his grace. And yes. it doesn't mean that God does not have wrath against sin, mm-hmm. but that the the invitation to repent and believe has been there from the beginning. Yes. And like, it's just part of God's character, even in the conquest. Even in the conquest. So let's dive into this beautiful story. So um, the first thing we need to notice is, oh, we have a repeat here of Numbers 13. uh, When 12 spies are sent mm -hmm. to the land of Canaan and two come back with a good report, this time two spies are sent into the land of Canaan (laughs) and they both come back with a good report. (laughs) We're not doing this 12 thing again. (laughs) 12 is just, we're like, we're multiplying opportunities for failure. We're just going to get, let's get two guys we can trust. We We got two good guys last time. Let's just send out two guys. And we'll be, we'll be fine. This is really funny. <laughs> I wonder if, like, we're meant to. Joshua was like, hey, me and Caleb did a good job last time. Yep. Let's send up these two guys. <laughs> That's really funny. And so they go and they spy out the land of Jericho, and they are harbored, taken in by the most unlikely of people this woman who lives inside the city wall, mm-hmm. which is like cool. Like, yeah. What a cool house. But it's yeah. probably like horrible. It's yeah. probably the worst place to <laughs> yeah. live. And, uh, well, it could also have been, I read a lot of about oh, okay, I did not. Jericho's architecture. She could have had like a room in the wall, as uh-huh. in like the wall was hollowed out and she had like a stone room. Or her house was on the outside of the city wall. Oh. So like, you know, she would like, there's all the markets would probably been like little booths, and little stalls, little hotels, and little little like things. Uh-huh. Rest like rested against the wall of Jericho, and so her house was butted up against the wall of Jericho. And it's since it's a brothel, it's probably like you know go outside the city gates to get to that thing. Yeah, like that's that. It could be that too. Unimportant to the story. Yes. All that you need to know is that her house is visible from the outside. Yes, and it's yeah. probably not the most desirable place. She's obviously not the most desirable person either. Right. She's a prostitute. Yeah. Um. And in terms of Israel, she's a Canaanite. Yes. So two strikes. Two, two strikes and because... And a woman. And a woman. Like, there's <laughs> For a this lot of, time, that would not be the person to try. You'd want a strong, uh, influential man. Yes. Like that's who you would want if, if you were going to yeah, try to gain a, a military... Yeah. And you found a compatriot inside the walls of Jericho, you would hope it's like one of the king's officials yes. who's like hiding you like... <laughs> Somewhere yeah. And it's nice. going to help you like poison the king's food or yes. some espionage, yes. not some powerless prostitute. <laughs> yes. So yeah. she, uh, so the spies go to her after hearing that the king knows about them and she hides them. 
She also lies for them and then misdirects the king's guards out of the city, giving them a chance to escape on their own. Yes. So she's doing a lot of hard work for the Israelite army. Yes, before any covenants are made or promises are made. Yes. And then she gives kind of like her reasoning for doing all this in um, verse 9. And she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that the inhabitants of the land melt away before before you because we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea when you came out of Egypt and how you defeated the king of, kings of the Amorites, Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. So I don't know how she heard about him, but Rahab had heard that God had parted the Red Sea. She had heard the, the kings of the Amorites, Og and Sihon, had been defeated. And she was looking around at all her compatriots, in Jericho and they were all terrified. Yes. And while the king and his men and the rest of Jericho are preparing for battle, uh, Rahab is preparing her heart to worship the Lord, Mm -hmm. to give herself up and surrender to the Lord's will. And like, that's a really important distinction that happens. Like they had heard about God's acts of salvation Mm -hmm. and there was two responses in in in, in the camp of Jericho. One was to resist, double down, fight, and the other was to submit and surrender to the Lord. That's right. Yep. And so she uh, she chooses the latter and mm-hmm. repents and submits to the Lord. And she says, she makes her confession of faith. Yep. She says that Yahweh is the God of the heavens above and the earth beneath. Mm-hmm. Like she, she believes that all of this land is God's land. It's God's land. Yeah. Like, so the, her territorial gods that the Canaanites are now trusting in, Mm-hmm. Right, they're saying like, no, we're going to double down and we're going to fight because our God is stronger than Yahweh. Yeah. Right. Uh, Rahab says, nope, I reject our territorial gods. Yeah. And I claim Yahweh as my God. And He's not just the God of the territory of Israel. Oh, right. He's the God of all the heavens and all, and the, earth. all the earth. It's she in in a polytheistic culture she that believed that yep. every God, every city had its own God that protected it. She is professing faith in the one God of the entire world. She is obeying the first commandment. She's obeying the first commandment. Yep. And then she says this. She says, "Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that I that as I have dealt kindly with you, you will also deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save me alive." So that word kindly mm. is really important. Mm-hmm. It's the word hesed. Mm-hmm. It's the word uh, loyalty or covenant loyalty, covenant loyalty, covenant faithfulness, steadfast love, mm-hmm. and throughout Scripture, Hesed is particularly linked to God's relationship with His people. God shows His people loyalty by remaining true to His covenant despite their sinfulness. So what she's saying to the, these Israelite spies is, "I have shown you the covenant faithfulness towards you that God has shown to your forefathers." Yes invite me in to your covenant. Yep. Allow me to be a part of your covenant because of my faithfulness to your God. Right. She's wanting to become an Israelite. Yep. Show, show Hesed to me as I have shown Hesed to you because God has shown Hesed to all of us. Yes. Yes, that's right. Uh, and they, so they agree. They say, absolutely, we will do this. And they make a gorgeous statement here, which uh, is our life for yours, even to death. That like that's that's like a swear it on your life kind of kind of language there. Yeah. Like it's also the gospel. It's exactly right. Your that's life, why it's so beautiful. Yeah, it's like yeah. our life for yours. Yes. Yeah. 
yeah that that we we well we'll get there i don't want to get there yet because there's still uh the other thing that's really interesting here is uh, not only is hesed an important hebrew word in kindly we also have the first occurrence of the word harem in joshua oh yeah in uh verse 10 of chapter 2 when she describes the destruction of the kings of Sihon and yep. Og. She said that they were devoted to destruction, which mm-hmm. is the word harem, which you'll see again and again throughout Joshua, and we'll talk about. But it's this idea that means devoted to destruction or um, banned. Mm-hmm. It's the holy ban of God, which mm-hmm. whenever you hear God say, like, put everything to the sword or do not touch that type of the bounty or yeah. uh, completely destroy everything that breeds men, women, and children, this is the harem commandments of God. Mm-hmm. And the first time we hear it, it's on the lips of a professing Canaanite, someone who was supposed to be under the ban, mm-hmm. under the dis- destruction, under yeah. the harem. She recognizes that God is bringing harem, yep. is bringing destruction, and wants to be saved from it. Yep. And so I just think that like, if she, if the first time we hear this word in Joshua is on her lips, like every time we, we come to it, yeah. we should be tempered by it. Yeah. Like, and so I think too, you should think then like, um, there's a whole bunch of things we talk about with Rahab. Like, yeah. so the fact that she uses the word Hesed, um, Rahab is actually the mother of Boaz, mm-hmm. which who marries Ruth and Hesed is one of the main words that you, like it's used in connection with that book. Yeah. All, if all you times. haven't listened to our Ruth podcast go, yet, go back, uh, go back. Like it's all about the Hesed love of the Lord. So you have a Canaanite prostitute who fathers a son or mother's a son who ends up like having a book written about his Hesed love mm-hmm. and his bride's Hesed love for Toward him. Toward a foreigner. Towards another foreigner. Yeah. It's crazy. Yep. So like there's like a connection there. And then also Jesus is one of Rahab's descendants. Yes. In Matthew 1, 5, Rahab is mentioned as one of the foremothers of Jesus because of Rahab's faithfulness to Israel. God is faithful to her and her family mm-hmm. and provides salvation for all people through her line. Yes. Which goes again back to the fact that like there is salvation for all people in the land of Canaan through Rahab's faith, through mm-hmm. her family line. Like it's the same thing is happening. There's faith and salvation in Rahab's faith. Yes. <laughs> like yeah. that's happening. And the on the devoted destruction thing, uh-huh. we also can in the same way that Israel like Israel's armies and Israel's victories and battles caused like um the hearts of Jericho to melt within them uh-huh. like Jesus has not just defeated a powerful king over mm. in Og right like he's defeated death yes like there is no enemy and no wall that can protect us from Jesus's power in mm. harem. I've never thought about Jesus's resurrection and defeat of death as a sign of his like terrible might. Yes. And when we see Jesus defeating death, like Israel defeated Og and Sihon, we can resist him. Yeah. Like the Kings of Jericho or like Rahab, we can allow our hearts to melt within us yeah. and worship him. Wow. Yes. That's good. <laughs> That's really intense. <laughs> uh, yeah, it just makes me worship Jesus in a different way. Mm-hmm. As just powerful and yeah. um, unstoppable. Yes. You know, like a mighty army heading toward our shore. And I know that he will have victory because he's beaten the biggest, baddest bully on the block. Yeah. And he's coming toward me. Yeah. 
but he also lets me right join it's his like, team <laughs> it's like if like just like just take it take the theological things out of it for a second and just imagine like okay china comes to power and she takes over mexico and canada yeah and great britain and she hasn't touched us yet but she's just taking over the world what are we going to be what is every american citizen going to be doing in that moment they're either going to be preparing for war right or surrendering to China. Yeah, like, right, right. Those are your two options. Yes. And so when you see Israel doing that around the line of Canaan, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Those are your two those options. Are your options. And then when you see Jesus defeat sin and death, that should be the same visceral yes. reaction we have. Jesus, he's taking over the whole world. He's taking over the whole world. Yes. Everything, every enemy that I thought that could be, would rule forever mm. is being destroyed by this invading army i have two options do i submit or do i fight wow that's really good so there's another cool thing that happens here um so uh they go into detail about how they're going to go about protecting rahab when they come into the city Mm -hmm. so there's this whole idea here that they're like okay here's what's going to happen we're going to leave we're going to come back with all the armies and we're going to completely devote the city to destruction but when we come back you're going to hang a scarlet thread scarlet cord Mm -hmm. out your window Mm -hmm. and when we see that we'll let the whole army know that no one inside that house is supposed to be touched so get your brothers and your sisters and your mom and your dad and your cousins get them all up in that house and as long as you're in that house with a scarlet cord on it you're safe you're safe if anyone steps outside that door they're dead yeah we we won't know that they're a part of your family and we can't be responsible for that. that's right and so what what this is a new passover this is the Passover all over again. It's okay. the same language, the same idea. What same language? The same language from Exodus, uh, what is that? Uh, I'm losing it. 12, 11? Yeah, Exodus 11 and 12, where um, they're told to paint their doors with red blood, a scar- the scarlet blood mm-hmm. over their door. Is it the same word, scarlet? Oh, no, I, I, we could look. Okay. But I doubt the color of the blood is mentioned there. <laughs> but it's clearly the same yeah. idea here. Yeah, yeah. But what's important is... Is if they stayed inside their house, they would be safe. Mm-hmm. Oh, if they come yeah, out yeah. of their house, they are not safe. Right. But when they're inside the house with the sign of protection over them, they'll be passed over. In the same way, Rahab's house will be passed over, and they will not incur yeah, yeah. the the harem of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's this. It's a new Passover happening, mm-hmm. but it's not for Israel this time. Mm-hmm. Now there's a Passover happening in Canaan, showing us that just as Israel was a remnant inside the world. Mm-hmm. That there's a remnant inside Canaan, like yeah. inside the nations, inside the Gentiles. God is saving people. He's performing Passovers all mm. over the world in a sense. Yeah, um, it's just this beautiful picture of like what happened to Israel will happen yeah. to the nations. That's really cool. Yeah, that's really really cool. And so anyway, so that's this is the place to make the turn, like and see Jesus here really clearly. Is like this is what Jesus does for us. Like he says, uh, you have. I, I defeated death. I'm coming. I'm taking over the whole earth, right? Right. Your when your heart melts within you and you name me as God of heaven and earth, I will protect you. Yeah. My life for your life. Mm-hmm. Like if I don't protect you, my life for your life. And like we have proof of it that he yep. actually gave his life. Yeah. Like as a and that is yeah. what is is like written. Yeah, and over his us. like his blood. Like as yeah. long as we so like. As long as we stay in his home, in his temple, we will be safe. Yeah. As long as we are in his presence, we are safe. Yeah. As long as we are with him, 
we will not be devoted to destruction. That's right. Just being and like and all it is like with and it's like well what does that mean though you know like am I actually safe because like yeah. there's a lot of like am I saved how do I know I'm saved mm-hmm. questions that and like that's just Satan wanting to attack you he's the accuser right. he's wanting to condemn you and like this is such a great story to answer that question because like what did Rahab do all she did was name Yahweh as God of heaven and earth yeah and then she was saved and all she had to do was stay inside and it's like that's easy like yeah. you know in a sense like that's easy and it's like that's what God asks us to do is like name Jesus as Lord and then rest in it. Stay yeah. in Jesus. You don't have to like continually save new spies in order to feel like you're a true Israelite. Yeah. You can look at the scarlet cord mm. and know that you're safe. Right. Stay, look to the cross of Jesus Christ, trust the scarlet cord and you will be saved. There's nothing like as long as you place your hope in the scarlet cord as long as you place your hope in the blood of Jesus, mm. the blood on the doorpost of the house, as long as you stay there, you will be safe. Yep. That's it. That's really good. Um, as we wrap up yes. this episode, um, it might, I, like I teased the, at the beginning, um, it might be interesting to talk about how have you heard this text preached? <laughs> well, there's, so one way I've heard it preached is like this, People like like to use this text as a way to point to Jesus mm-hmm. frequently enough. Yes. And they'll talk about like there's this scarlet thread throughout the all of scripture. Right. So like there's a scarlet thread beginning in Genesis three fifteen where God promises to crush the head of the serpent and it ends in Jesus. And you right. see all these like little hints of it throughout. I'm like, that's a great point. And mm-hmm. it's actually true. There yes. is a thread through scripture leading to Jesus of the defeat of Satan and the fulfillment of all God's promises. Fair enough. The Scarlet Thread is a fun little pickup from the book of Joshua, but I don't think necessarily that it's meant to carry the entire weight of the biblical storyline. Like you right. don't have to call it the Scarlet Thread, like in order to like <laughs> right. prove that there's a line going through Scripture. Yes. Um, yeah, I've heard it like uh, that, and like I think I think what's ha- what happens is people use what uh, what I like to call like the accidents of the text mm-hmm. like, like or just like the, 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 the color yeah. of the cord yeah yeah uh, um, to carry the weight of the gospel mm-hmm. when actually it's like oh this is a repeat of the Passover and like right, 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 right. like there's there's a, a covenant being made with Rahab there's Hesed and Harem doing battle with each other and it's like it takes a little more work to get there it does take a little right? more work yeah. rather than saying like the red blood of Jesus is what saves us. Yeah. It's like, it's true. It is true. But it, it's like, that's not how the text presents that truth to us. Yes. It's not because the score, the cord was scarlet, you know, like right, right. that's an accident of the text. Yeah. So what we're saying is as you continue in your own journey of like seeing Jesus on all of scripture, like don't be so concerned with some of like the positional details, the mm-hmm. fact that there was a red rope or the fact right. that now, like if it fits the whole story, yeah. I, I probably, uh, accident of the text is more of a theological word. It's going to yeah. get misread. It's a detail. It's a detail. Detail of the text is what I don't mean that something was accidentally in there, that it right. wasn't on purpose, that it's not important. I don't right. mean any of that. So well, I just want, we're going to get nasty comments yeah. if I don't make that, <laughs> make that clarification. Detail of the text. And like a detail of the text might fit the larger context. Right, but we don't have any real like connection between the blood on the Passover, uh, right. uh, or the doorposts of, of Israel and in, in Egypt, why can't I see the word Egypt? <laughs> the doorposts of Israel in Egypt to the the color of the string here or to the color of Jesus's blood. But what we do have is death passing over people. Yeah, that's that's what's most important. By the a symbolic representation 
of the blood, right? A, a symbolic representation of salvation. Yeah, a sacrifice. Right. Yeah, like that's that's what's happening. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I just it's one yeah. of those it's one of those texts that it's really easy to feel like you're doing a Jesus turn or a gospel turn, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. be like. Oh, I can see Jesus. He's the scarlet thread. He is. He is. He is. But like root that in the whole story. Do the work. Yeah. To like know why he's the scarlet thread, if you will. Um, You know, why is Jesus the blood on the doorpost? You know, Mm. Um, like how does the, how does his blood work and what is it protecting us from and what's it leading to? You miss all that if you don't do the work of the text. And I think like, um, and so I've just seen that happen. And I, I think, I think because we get to the same place, yeah, people understand don't understand why, especially I get offended when uh, you preaching. get offended. Uh, David? I, yeah, I do. It's it, you never see it. Yeah, you never, never see me get I offended. Never see David offended. Uh, but uh, and I think it's because you're missing the you're missing all the work behind it, and you're missing the full story. Like yeah, which is like what provides a, grounding. Yeah, it's like. It's a shortcut to see Jesus. Red cord, red Red blood. blood. Easy. Man, there is better news the deeper you look. There we go. There's like, and so like, and I would say say that for every text. There's always better news the deeper Mm -hmm. you look. And so what we're really fighting for is just like, look deeper and see more good news. Yes. Yeah. I think the other thing I'm fighting for is um, let the point of the text be the point of the gospel you're trying to get to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is like... Is the point of the text the color of the cord? No, it concertedly is not. Yeah. <laughs> Could the color of the cord be important or significant? Yes. Yes. I will definitely concede that. Not here, but somewhere else, maybe. Yeah. 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 And it's like, but like, like, is uh, it the point of the passage? No. Like the purple robes. This is what I was, this is what, that's exactly what I was like, thinking of when I was thinking of why details could be important. Like, so the purple robes that are draped on Jesus are a sign of royalty. That's right. The per- pomegranates being etched into the tabernacle's cloth are important. They yes. remind us of the garden. Yeah. yeah. So like, there are details that are important and like, I'm fine even saying that like yeah. the scarlet thread is red blood. I'm, yeah. I'd actually be okay with that. Right. It's when you take the shortcut and you miss the why. And yeah. you, you focus on that. Yeah, just dig yeah. deeper and there's better news there's there. Better. Okay, there, there's my soapbox. There's your soapbox. I just wanted to have for just a second. Well, excellent. So next week we'll be in uh, Joshua 3 to 5 and we'll kind yeah. of talk about how Joshua, and it's, it's more detailed than we did in the introduction, mm-hmm. is the new Moses. Yes. And how his crossing of the Jordan is like the crossing of the Red Sea. And then yep. we'll get into some of the conquests after that. It'll be really cool. So we hope to see you guys there. Thank you for listening and joining us. And we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit that gives all its resources like this podcast away for free because of supporters like you. To help Spoken Gospel in our mission to speak the gospel out of every corner of scripture and view all our free resources, visit SpokenGospel.com.